I'm Dr. Gene Hemsler, and you're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. For more than 25 years, my associates and I have been providing straightforward, no-nonsense advice for your financial questions. Email us at drgene at hemsler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, November 14th, 2020. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Greed. ...in the dollar... ...it's a late rally on Wall Street... ...too big to fail... ...growing the economy... ...growing the economy... It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Money Talk. Money Talk. What's up, fam? This is Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on radio. Uh, we got a full house here today. Uh, not the usual crowd, necessarily. <laughs> yep. Our fearless leader, Troy's out. Mm-hmm. But I'm Jacob Keene, CFA, and I'm joined here today by uh, senior associate, Jarrett McKenzie. He's got a CFP and mm-hmm. the CWS. Full alphabet soup. Um, and we're also here with uh, associate Michael Griffin. Who's also got a CFP? That's so right. we got the planners in here. That's right. We do. Yeah, holding it down for Troy too. Come <laughs> X's in. X's and O's. The what's up, fam? I'm sure Troy would be proud of you. Just keeping his intro going. I love it. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, he's a he. Get, he he's trying to catch the younger crowd. I think. <laughs> oh, <laughs> absolutely. To, yeah. So yeah. trying being the key. <laughs> right there. He was on that path, and then he shaved his beard, and I told him, you know, what, what, what he's out doing? of the club now. Yeah, he shaved his beard. I haven't seen him. Mm-hmm. He shaved. That's yeah. That's ridiculous. Yep. He was. He was trying to capture some of the, the younger mm-hmm. younger folks, he said, and then just change directions on us. That's the so. that's the beard <laughs> indicator. That's how you know things are getting back uh, to normal. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's crazy. Destroyed. <laughs> by, the, shave. by the way, for everyone listening, we all three have beards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, well, as always, we're here to discuss uh, stocks, the economy, finance, what's going on in the market. It's been an interesting week, uh, but if you have questions, email us at drgene at hensler.com. But let's go ahead and j- jump off, guys, kind of through the election. Maybe, or maybe mm. we are. Yeah. Maybe. Are, are we? we? Are we? <laughs> I don't know. At least it's behind us. So. Some, yeah. Some folks say we have a winner. Some folks not so much. Uh, yeah, I've been telling people. That's interesting week in the markets, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, were, we were looking at, you know, just basically this past week, we've got energy up nine and a half percent. Finally, financials seeing some rebound, five point two percent. And then mm-hmm. you look at the bottom of the list; it's the who's who of the winners. Mm-hmm. You know, you got consumer discretionary and tech actually down on the week, yep. slightly. Yeah, and I think that was it. It's hard to it's hard to pick through. You know what the exact catalyst is because it could be election, it could be vaccine news. Mm-hmm. But we definitely saw, uh, basically in the market internals, a pretty violent rotation. Yeah. You know, absolutely. a lot of the more value-oriented, dividend-paying stocks, even mm-hmm. small and mid-caps mm-hmm. that haven't been working, right. all of a sudden started working. <laughs> and then you see the mega-cap tech. Right. Yeah, it's just been a 180 what has been going on all year. Kind yeah. Of well, it's, it's going to take a while. If yeah. you look at, you know, basically in the rearview mirror past mm-hmm. year, we got tech up 40% still. Energy on the comeback, but down 45% <laughs> over the past year. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, it, 
it's sort of, I feel like we've talked about it a bit and that we've seen such a massive divide between growth and value. It's like, is mm-hmm. this the start of something greater? I don't know. We'll yeah, I think we'll it, it should be anyways because it just doesn't, there's no justification, I think, for things to be as excessive as they are in terms of the, the valuations in tech and, and some of these related industries. It's like at some point you expect there to be some deviation between earnings and, and the stock price, right? But it's gotten to a point now where it's just so such a widespread that it's got to correct at some point, and it looks like that may be kind of the start of it. I agree with you. I think it's going to take a while, uh, but it certainly needed to kind of come back in that direction so it would be – more reasonable than it's been because it's just gotten way, way overpriced, as you know, Jacob. Agreed. But I didn't think energy would see the pop that it saw mm-hmm. after a potential yeah. Biden big victory. I was surprised by that with what he'd said, you know, about trying to move toward clean energy and stuff mm-hmm. like that during the debates. I was shocked to see energy pop the way that it did after right yeah. after that. Yeah. I, that was that was surprising to me. A lot of moving parts there. I think some of it, if you're sort of trying to diagnose what the market's thinking, some of it is, I think there were expectations for a blue wave. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really get that. I think the Republicans actually picked up some seats in the House. Yes. The Senate's still sort of up for grabs, Coming but it looks Georgia. like the Republicans might defend there as well. So I some of that, but also I think even more crucial is there's light at the end of the tunnel with a vaccine, and I think that's going to increase demand yeah. for travel, mm-hmm. a lot of that. Well, I've been telling clients all week, if if nothing else, there's significantly less uncertainty than there was two weeks ago because, you know, we're past the election, and while nothing's yet completely final, but we at least know which way things are kind of leaning at this point. And then same with the, the Senate race and uh, the balance of power, but also mm-hmm. with this announcement from Pfizer this week about uh, a possible vaccination. I mean, even though there's there's not certainty there, there's a lot less uncertainty than there was a couple of weeks ago. And that's always going to bode well for the markets because, you know, markets hate uncertainty. And so the more we can get away from things and that are uncertain and, and really get back to a more stable environment, I think that will get us on pretty good footing. And, Jacob, I agree. I think the market's pricing in what we expect to happen at this point. The problem is well, yeah, <laughs> it, it could go in any direction. We, fi- we did finally get, like, an important milestone. I mean, mm-hmm. you see vaccine news, it's like it's still going to take a while. Yeah. You know, and yeah. we're not even at full approval yet, mm-hmm. but it looks like we're on that path. We get that milestone. Right. And you start to see, you know, we're, th- we're looking at the big picture, but you're starting to see, you know, the Netflix, the, the stay-at-home mm-hmm. stocks start to fall. We're getting crushed yeah. on that news. And a lot of the smaller, uh, more industrial, financial-oriented names, even mm-hmm. energy, Mm-hmm. was picking up some steam mm-hmm. yeah. uh, as, you know, optimism's building that we may return mm-hmm. to a more normal environment. And I think, you know, looking through the economic data on the week, too, we did get inflation. We did get an inflation reading. So in, inflation right now is at 1.2%. You know, we were at 2.3 mm-hmm. before. If you look at sort of the inner workings of that, you've got med- medical care down slightly, energy down huge down almost 10%, um, transportation services down 5%, food and shelter, mm-hmm. food's up 4 shelter's up 2 The other interesting thing internally in the inflation numbers, you look at cars and trucks, 11.5%. Where That's are people crazy. driving? Wow. <laughs> they just want to have a nice car so they can just look at it in the driveway. Yeah, just... You know, something to <laughs> sit on their front porch and stare at. That's, that's crazy to me. I mean, I, you know... I, 
I need to get one. I'm in the market, but I'm like, it's why? The financing, man. Why? Why? It's yeah. so incentivizing to that be able is true. to get it without having to pay so much interest. Well, I think a lot of the white collar workers, like if you if you look at some of the consumer numbers, it, it kind of echoes the same idea. I think a lot of the white collar workers that haven't really been affected actually have. They're not going on vacations. Mm-hmm. They're not right. having a lot of this discretionary spending. So it's the sort of thing where it's like. New appliance, new car, like mm-hmm. it's burning yeah. a hole in my pocket a little bit. <laughs> That's, That's fair. Yeah. You're saving a lot of money from not spending on things you normally do, and why not get something when you can get it? so cheaply that's that's know? that's fair but yeah. i also think interest rates are going to stay down for a while i mean I, I, yeah. i'm not in any rush over here personally just mm-hmm. because i don't think we're going to see interest rates pop next year uh, not, not drastically Fed's not really giving that indication i don't think as far as where they're keeping it right i mean didn't he say it's going to be maybe two or three years before they they look to start bringing it back up some as far as the fed funds rate yeah well that there there's some interesting moves sort of under the hood there and that if you start to look at uh some of the inflation expectation uh mm. indicators or even like euro dollar futures which is basically looking at the market's expectations for when that first fed rate hike is going to come right basically this week you did see some moves there you saw you know a 15 to 20 basis point moves you know out mm. a few years on mm. the future so it feels like there is some belief and we even saw it in bonds largely the 10 year was charging towards 1% you know this week yeah yeah so rate expectations are definitely on the move higher you know this week mm-hmm. i think in, inflation expectations are moving higher too and and to the the credit aspect we did get more economic news this week we had the senior loan officer uh, opinion survey and overall banks are tightening lending mm-hmm. um not so much on the consumer side, but if you look at commercial industrial, if you look at commercial real estate, um, even residential mortgages, they're starting to tighten their standards there. And we've mm-hmm. seen some of that you know, over yeah. the past few months, but continues to be the case. They're loaning out so much of their money at this point that they've got to, unless they get more deposits in, they're not going to be able to loan as much. And yeah, they have started to tighten for the first time in a while, it seems. So uh, maybe a change in direction on some of that as well. Well, I mean, we're also moving away from a lot of the commercial property. I mean, office buildings are not what they used to be, mm-hmm. right? So I, if I was a bank, I'd be hesitant to loan towards something like that yeah, right I'm now. I'm sure on the commercial side, they're looking to stay away from a lot of that because that is a completely different world these days now that we've post-pandemic. Totally changed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Rents are coming down drastically. They are. So. They are. Yeah, and that's that's where you can sort of get some of the tales of these initial economic effects, too, is mm-hmm. banks start to look at their balance sheets. They're like, look, we need to continue to risk down. Yeah. We can't just pick this is the inflection point in the economy, mm-hmm. so it could prolong their recovery if we don't have a, yeah. a nice buildup back in credit. Um, yeah, very true. But uh, we, need to take a, we need to take a quick break here. Um, we'll be back... We'll be back shortly uh, with Money Talks. This 
This is the dog. The dog of the week. All right, guys, we're back. We are back. I'm here with uh, Michael and Jarrett. It's time for the dog of the week. You know, us finance guys, we're really focused on the uh, real estate market from time to time. Mm-hmm. I've got a story here out of L.A. It's uh, McMansions for the Homeless is the headline. <laughs> Some L.A. tents are so big they have showers, A.C., and even tiki bars. Wow. And if you dig into this, it's pretty interesting. Some with stoves. We got, we got a tent in Hollywood that's got a 15-foot slide for entertainment. So they're tapping into the fire hydrants and the electrical <laughs> of the street lights and just setting up oh, theme parks on the sidewalks, you know? These massive yeah. tents. That's crazy. Hmm. Although with the prices out there and the way the taxes are going, not surprising that people are veering away from the uh, the real estate. <laughs> crazy that they've got all that inside those tents, but yeah, there's a, apparently I mean this exodus that there seems to have already begun Jersey Illinois, California. I mean, the taxes are just going skyrocketing. Yeah, New York. Uh, and people are flocking out of there. Yep, and that's that's one of the the downsides of these tax regulations that could come into play. But you know, we'll see how it all works out. A lot of if there if there does remain a balance in power, as there seems to be potentially shaking out right now, some of that's going to be a little tough to get through Congress. And you know, may not be as bad as it seems on on the surface with some of these proposals. But time will tell. Absolutely. Yeah, th- th- there's one tragic story here where a tent actually uh, burned down on Venice Boulevard, and Man. it turns out the owner of the tent didn't have home insurance. So <laughs> imagine that. Lost Can't believe he couldn't everything. find a carrier that would pick him up. <laughs> <laughs> Probably didn't meet code; they wouldn't cover it. Right. <laughs> I mean, look, we we feel we feel terrible for all these people that are in homeless homeless of tents course. in in California, but. I mean, you know, with 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 taxes and everything out there, I mean, you know, it, it we can see why sometimes too. I mean, it's it's outrageous to live out there. Some yeah. of those people probably have jobs and just mm-hmm. can't afford the housing yeah. out there. Being forced into those situations, I know it's terrible. It's yeah, even tougher times now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, times now. absolutely. Definitely. I think I'll stay here in Georgia. I think oh, yeah. I'll stay away from California. <laughs> just Fair my <enough>. opinion. <laughs> absolutely. Well, we touched on it. We touched on it a bit earlier, but. We're going to get into it a bit because, you know, our conversations with clients of late have a lot of it's hinged on the election. No. (laughs) (laughs) Quite the hot topic. (laughs) uh, A lot of different opinions this cycle, depending on the outcome. Um, So we do have uh, we do have a case study this week where we're looking at two different folks. Uh, We're looking at uh, Wendy, uh, who. As she sits right now, she's trusting her financial plan and asset allocation. She's been on the same path for eight years, and she's pretty confident in how much she's saving and how much she'll be able to spend. And then we have Pete, who is anxious about everything. (laughs) He believes the pandemic's going to change the economy. Uh, Democrats are going to hike taxes. He wants out of all his health care stocks because he believes – Socialist medicine is taking over, and he wants out of oil stocks because Biden is going to destroy the oil industry. <laughs> so this is a this is a bit of there's a lot of different things to touch on, but yeah. I'll let you guys hit the planning perspective, and then we can sort of talk election and you know tactical sure. allocations. Absolutely, we we get this a lot. 
and we mm-hmm. get people panicking a lot. And I understand why, because you've worked really, really hard for your money and you don't want to see anything happen to it. We, we understand mm-hmm. that and we totally get it. But there's a lot that has to happen for these things to take place. Now, right. this makes the Senate election in Georgia even more important to keep that balance of power. I, I don't care who you voted for. We need that balance of power. And if the Democrats take the Senate, you're going to see a lot more things get passed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether that be good or bad depends on, on your perspective. Yeah. But um, it's, you know, it, it makes it even more important. Yeah, the likelihood opinion. of change is, is definitely higher there because then, you're right, it will be easier for them to push through whatever new tax policy that they feel is appropriate or energy regulations, health care changes, like they're saying. And this case has actually been quite common lately and probably more so than in any recent years that I can recall that mm-hmm. uh, elections have brought. It's, it's a very behavioral thing. I've been pretty amazed with how different things seem to be between clients just in terms of their feelings about you know, what to do, when to do it, and, and how comfortable that they are just having the market exposure in general. And you know, it, it seems like we have financial plans in place. We have an investment strategy in place that are, are set up in ways to help navigate through these things. But it is instinctual, I guess, for most people to, to feel like they need to do something during these times because that uncertainty, as we were saying earlier, is uh, so much more heightened than it is during a normal time. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, the, the bottom line is there may be some changes that need to be made resulting from, you know, the, the economic environment and possibly the political environment if, if some of these regulations and new policies get pushed through. But at the end of the day, if, if you have long-term investment holdings and you have a financial plan in place that will help protect your money through or, or help you to navigate through these times, then you really shouldn't have to make a whole lot of change. You know, no. there, there's always going to be some change to some Absolutely. degree. You know, you, you never know what's happening with companies during times like this. And if they start to suffer, well, you don't want to hang on to, to a loser for too long. But, uh, again, no, if, you, if we have these things in place. Agreed. Yeah. And that's why we have people like Jacob that, that looks at these companies on a, on a daily basis and, mm-hmm. and goes through them and makes sure that they still meet our criteria. But... The other thing that I want to touch on and drive home here is you don't need to start making changes thinking that something's going to happen. Right. You know, uh, you know, you don't want to panic and say, you know, let's do this because this might happen. Great well, if, if it doesn't, then you've maybe done something that harms you or done something mm-hmm. for no point. You have to invest based on what you know, not what you think may or may not happen. And that's been my biggest challenge, it seems, lately, is trying to prevent people from doing that or wanting to make changes based on what they think is going to happen. We had a number of people that were wanting to get out of of oil or or some of these other sectors that they were fearful of going into the election, and then in doing so, missed out on some of the pop that happened after the election. And people that were holding cash in hopes of there being a pullback uh, and maybe not hoping because nobody wants to experience the losses just to put that money in at lower prices. But it just goes to show you why you cannot time the market because even if things look like they're leaning one direction, and look what happened. I, I don't recall really anybody thinking that there was going to be such a sharp upswing in the market after the election. No. Regardless of which right. way it went. Right. And yeah. look what happened. We yeah. talk about those 10 best days of, of so, over these periods. You can't miss them. But you could have just missed them had you had you held out or went to cash because you were fearful or didn't have that peace of mind. And it's why it is so important that in situations like what we're talking about here uh, with Wendy and Pete, you know, you're going to feel how you're going to feel about different political uh, 
uh, environments and, and just the economy in general, but it's all the more reason why you want to have a plan in place, an investment strategy in place. And stick to it. Right. And yeah. stick to it. Exactly. Yeah, I think I, I think just overarchingly, you you create a financial plan with market risks that you're willing mm-hmm. to take and return mm-hmm. expectations, yeah. and you stick with that plan. Right. I think the ultimate reality is the amount that any president can change that return expectation. Mm-hmm expectation is minimal yeah. right um i i i think back i think back to the example of like how the narrative can shift yeah. overnight so you go a, a couple years back right mm-hmm. the narrative around pharma was trump is going to crack down on pricing etc yeah well if you had gotten rid of pharma and biotechs at that point which were not mm-hmm. you know the sexy buy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you missed out on this year where they've sure. been top performers because it just so happened we had a global pandemic. So mm-hmm. those are sort we're, we're we look for opportunities around catalysts like an sure. election, but really there's there's a whole story in a lot of the areas. Speaking of energy mm-hmm. and industrials and even financials at this point, yeah. that we're we're seeing opportunity based on valuation. Exactly. So I I think. I'd be more willing to, I'd be w- more willing to entertain the idea of less running in fear, but more being opportun- opportunistic. So yeah. if you wanted to perhaps build a, bi- a so-called Biden portfolio mm-hmm. and look for potential infrastructure expansion, yeah. these sorts of things into the future, I I think that could make some sense right now to oh, position sure. in some of those industries that have lower valuations. I've been trying to remind people, too, that if, if your goal is to buy low and sell high, I know that there's maybe a bad taste in your mouth from some of these energy positions that have been so hurt on the year and, and other holdings as well. But don't let that, you know, co- cover your eyes about the true opportunity there. To Jacob's point, the valuations are crazy cheap. And if you didn't have that exposure and that bad taste in your mouth, and I showed you what those energy plays are trading at and what they they look to be worth on paper based on their fundamentals, mm-hmm. you would probably feel very differently about seeing that without having already had the losses. So don't let that deter you when with what we see today, there's some really good opportunities out there. Yeah, and I think I think part of the reason you have an advisor mm-hmm. is to not let you be emotional. We saw this election cycle 100%. supercharged. Everyone's got an opinion. Let's throw emotions out the window. Yeah, need unbiased opinions. Right, right. Yeah, I, we saw it in voter, voter turnout, too. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, A lot was. of people were really involved. But we'll, we'll leave it there. Uh, we'll be back shir- shortly. Got to pay some bills real quick. Listen to Money Talks. I was walking down the street when out the corner of my eye I saw a pretty little thing approaching me. She said, i never seen a man who looks so all alone. Could you use a little company? If you pay the right price, your evening will be nice and you can go and send me on my way. I said, you're such a sweet young thing. Why you do this to yourself? She looked at me. When things go wrong, you're scared. Knowledge is power. There's a lot about this virus that we don't know. This is Money Talks. All right, guys, we're back. This is Money Talks. Jacob here with uh, Jarrett and Michael. Uh, we kind of left it off uh, with the election. We're going to jump back in, but guys, uh, love answering questions. So send us your questions. You can reach us on the question hotline at one 429 9166 You can leave a voicemail there, or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. Or if you want some more personal help, maybe even get in touch with 
one of us, uh, you can dial 770-429-9166. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Hensler Group. Check us out. Uh, but, guys, uh, a lot of clients talking election. Oh, yeah. We kind of left it there. Um, basically, you know, at the top level, no reason to change or equity exposure or panic or jump in and out of the market based on who's president. Yeah. Uh, we oh. saw with the with the outcome of the election, it doesn't look like the blue wave came. So right. even if you were terrified of a blue wave, it doesn't look like it came. Mm-hmm. Um, you have but, a president for four to eight years, right? Mm-hmm. We operate off a 10-year rule philosophy. Yeah. Like, let's, let's just think about that. I mean, you know, you're not going to pick and choose just because who's president. Yeah. Uh, you got to – plus, I think it matters more. I've been telling a lot of folks, the, the president himself doesn't actually move markets. The policies that they try to put in place and the success they have, that's what really moves markets. So even though we might know who is, is going to be in the White House for the next four years or at least have a, a pretty good idea of that, who's to say, especially if there is this balance in power that remains – how much of what they hope to get pushed through is actually going to come to fruition. And so you can't really, in our opinion, because our, our approach is much more of a, a bottom-up approach where we start by looking at the health of the companies that are in the stock universe and try to determine which ones of those are going to perform well regardless of the political environment or mm-hmm. the, the macroeconomic environment. And, look, once we decide on the group of maybe six or 700 that would meet our criteria, then we might take into account, okay, well, we're not. We're obviously not going to own that many stocks for any individual client, so we want to pick. I think you're being generous with six or seven hundred. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong about that. But I mean, yeah, not it, all it the stocks in the S and P 500 meet our criteria. I mean, true, true. Right. And I think that's. I, I think that's a crucial point, though. Mm-hmm. What's gonna What's gonna be more successful in the long term is building out a portfolio of high quality companies yep. purchased at attractive valuations that aren't really at the whims of mm-hmm. interim developments in the market, but have long term staying power. Yep. You know, they've got, we talk economic moat. They've got a moat that's built Mm -hmm. around crocodiles are inside it. No one can touch them. Untouchable businesses. That's what we want to own. Exactly. And and you guys, I mean, I I know from from the approach that we take, again, being sort of a bottom up, we don't want it to be dictated by, you know, the the political or, or economic environment necessarily because then you're probably in and out of things a lot more frequently as things change instead of, again, owning the highest quality companies that we know are strong. They're going to be around. Their dividends are well covered, and, and their quality. You know, again, that that's if you're in retirement, you want the stability that those bring, not necessarily what do I think is going to happen because from that standpoint, you're speculating. You know, if, you, if you use that top-down approach, which is the other side of that from our bottom-up approach where we start with fundamentals, these top-down approaches that get instituted when you have a a Biden portfolio or a Trump portfolio or whatever it is, that there may be some some opportunity there in using those if you pick them right. But I don't think that there's sustainably, you know, there's just too much risk for clients, especially in retirement, when you're, you're speculating about what may be the best thing for this environment as opposed to knowing, you know, I've been telling clients as far as like energy, for instance, if I can look on paper and see what that company is worth, I can't even do that with my home. The home is what a buyer is willing to pay me, right? But I don't, I don't need a buyer for a company to determine what it's worth. I can go and do that fundamental analysis. So we know the value of the, the companies that we buy first because to us mm-hmm. that is more meaningful than 
Well, we think that under this kind of this administration or this kind of economic environment that this is going to work well. Again, maybe maybe there is some opportunity there that you can hopefully take advantage of. But I would say that's not going to be as sustainable long term as, like you said, Jacob, on quality and, and sustainable businesses. Yeah, yeah and I, I think we don't want to be entirely dismissive of these changing developments. Yeah. There is a ta- tactical aspect. You have to be but when you when you start talking about taking that top-down approach, well, it's going to start with the economic data that we've already talked about. How many mm-hmm. people have jobs? You know, what is in the inflation rate? What, mm-hmm. yeah. And we're looking sector by sector at the valuation of the sector overall, the growth expectations of those sectors. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're starting. And maybe, depending on the president, it might change those assumptions slightly, but not radically. Yeah. Um, but additionally, if you want to think, you, you know, if you want something to take away mm-hmm. tactically as far as, okay, Biden potentially probably is the president Mm -hmm. there's a a few areas you can look so we're looking at opportunities in the industrial space with Mm -hmm. infrastructure exposure of course the odds of that have probably actually moved down a little bit given what happened in congress yeah Um, Mm -hmm. but given the valuations that we're seeing there you could begin to build a case Mm -hmm. we haven't really made any moves there but then also if you look at the energy and utility space Something we've already done that we would encourage people to do mm-hmm. is look at taking on some renewables exposures. There's yeah. a lot of really high-quality utilities out there um, that have nice renewables exposure in wind, solar, mm-hmm. hydroelectric, etc. that have that regulatory insulation yeah. depending on what you know the federal or even state-level environment, how that's going to change over time. You can basically mm-hmm. throw that concern out the window. And same with oil companies. Look for integrateds with some renewables exposure because, you know, yeah. if you start – we're less talking about the next four years, but if mm-hmm. you start looking at these companies and you talk next 20, 30 years, yep. that's a, definitely well, a consideration. If you have Absolutely. a set investment criteria like we do, and you go through that process and you say, okay, these are the companies I know are healthy enough to own – and then you look at those kind of things and say, okay, well, maybe maybe under a Biden administration, energy stocks are going to perform better because if he puts a ban on fracking or you know whatever it is, it's going to drive up uh, the price of, of oil, and maybe that's going to have a, a positive benefit. Okay, well, you know, we do take those things into account. I don't want people to think that you know we don't make changes based on changes in the political environment or otherwise, but it's more of Okay, the things that we might already own in that space that we're underweight on, if if that happens, then maybe there's a shift back to, you know, to your point, if if there's going to be a focus on sustainable energy and these alternative sources of energy, might look for the players that stand to benefit the most and and shift the weightings within the portfolio, just as we did prior to the pandemic of shifting it out of some of the tech stuff. You know, after last year when Apple was up 88%, you know, what do we do earlier in the year? We trimmed it back. We didn't sell it. Still a great company to own, but you don't want to be overexposed to that. Mm-hmm. And so, in contrast, you know, I think when, when you get into a, a new political environment like what we're in, that is more of the change you should be looking to make based on who's in office or what the economy looks like, more so than trying to pick stocks or any investments for that matter, just based on those kind of things alone. Because again, it's way more speculative than being able to see. I, I own this company because. It's healthy, and I know that it's worth this much based on what I can see in their financials. That is a much better basis for investment than speculating on macroeconomic or political environments. Oh Absolutely. yeah, Absolutely. it's if you look at the if you look at the opportunities in picking up equity income yield mm-hmm. in energy or even some of the consumer staples at this point, you're getting basically 
a bond-like investment with an equity kicker. Yeah. Like if anything good happens in the energy space and mm-hmm. you buy a high-quality energy company, yeah. you're getting a yield of 6 7% right now with the potential to get some capital appreciation as well. Sure. Which is just extremely yeah. attractive in our view. Yeah, if you if you hold the energy plays right now, they they probably don't look attractive when you log into your account because they've been hurt this year, obviously. But again, like we were saying earlier, if you didn't have that bad taste in your mouth from some of these losses that have come into play on those this year, and you were asking us where are the opportunities today in the market, man, the valuations on those are crazy cheap. Mm-hmm. If you look at the target prices, they're still thirty or forty percent upside on a lot of that, and and they're paying the great dividend. Mm-hmm. But we're not seeing it rebound fully because there's still this uncertainty of absolutely. Are we going to get back to a normal? What is the new normal going to be? Are we going to consume energy like we we once did? You know, and I've been reminding people too that you, a lot of folks see energy as oil companies, but they in fact are, are really beginning to diversify. Which Jacob could probably speak okay. better to this. I mean, they're investing in these alternative sources, and they they are much more so an energy company today than they may have been in the past. Because in the past, I think it was synonymous with oil alone. You got to think as these alternative energies become more prevalent or, you know, it gets pushed by a certain, you know, political agenda or what have you. Mm-hmm. These big players that we already own are going to buy these. They're yeah. going to buy up the small people yep. and be in that sector. Acquire market share. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think uh, Boeing planes are going to be electric anytime <laughs> soon. No. Exactly. There's still no. plenty of demand in the market. Um, yeah, air travel is not... It's not over. And, I mean, look at what's been crazy to me. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but yesterday or, or earlier in the week even with this vaccine news, the cruise cruise lines just shot up the stocks. And it's just the news of that alone caused that much of an increase, and nothing has changed. We don't. Even, I mean, Pfizer could come out tomorrow and say the results actually weren't as positive as we thought, and then they fall right back down. You, know, you just can't invest based on such speculative Nope. Dynamics like what we're seeing. But it helps if you own, owned it before the news. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is true. It does. <laughs> then you can just do nothing right now yeah, exactly. and enjoy it. <laughs> uh, but we'll we'll leave it there. Uh, we'll be back uh, after a short break. Answer some more questions. Listen to Money Talk. And we're back, guys. It's Money Talks. Jacob here with uh, Jarrett and Michael, CFPs, um, from the studio here at Hensler Financial. Send us your questions. Uh, we just jumped off the election, uh, but send us your questions. You can email drgene at hensler.com or call our hotline at 1-855-429-9166. And we do have a question here. Guys, um, from our good friend Marjorie in Carroll County, um, she says uh, her husband has part of his retirement account with Vanguard, currently holds part of it in the Vanguard 500 fund and part in the Ginny May funds. Um, They're not so pleased with the Ginny May. Um, What would be a good alternative within the Vanguard family, um, within these... With these funds, we are particularly interested in growth and variety and are less concerned with security, which is taken care of elsewhere. So 
it sounds like they have some funds elsewhere. It looks like they also have um, some rental properties that they used to own, which kind of brought about the interest in real estate. So just kind of right off the bat, the Ginny May Fund, that's a, that's a mortgage-backed uh, securities fund. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily direct exposure to real estate. Sort of if you look at the bond opportunity out there, yeah. you look at like a bond index, index fund mm-hmm. right now, you're looking at 1%. We yeah. actually own some mortgage-backed securities just because the yield is there, but mm-hmm. we're in a yield start environment unless right. it's sort of money that you need mm-hmm. for liquidity in the near future. Well, uh, we're not buying bonds at all, really. That, that is key here that I think we should probably touch on for Marjorie because I would ask, you know, why, why if you have, you know, other other income sources and, you know, you're less concerned with security because you've got that taken care of elsewhere, I, I'm not sure that having the, the fixed income exposure, because, again, like you said, Jacob, we use that for coverage of people's liquidity needs because we don't want that being exposed to the market. Uh, we, we would rather it be available to them and, and liquid enough that they'd be able to sell it and get the money when they need it. But if you don't have liquidity needs and if that's already taken care of, uh, especially if you're much more interested in, in growth and variety, then you know it's, it's maybe better, even though in the short term it could suffer a little bit more, to, to have that exposure for the long run and things that you would experience more growth in. Uh, but there's also some other considerations with owning these funds that may be overexposed greatly right now, especially from tech standpoint. Yeah, there's a lot to touch on. So just first and foremost, if we had someone come in that owned a bond fund, right, and they wanted mm-hmm. to get more growth exposure, we wouldn't do that immediately. In fact, exactly. sort of the way that we're talking about market conditions right now, we're not trying to add equity risk. If anything, we're reducing equity risk within our equity portfolios. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that aspect. But as far as just speaking to where could you look for a din- additional diversification opportunities. Mm-hmm. I'd be looking first at adding some emerging market exposure, which it sounds like she's trying to get, you know, incrementally yeah. more aggressive here. So mm-hmm. maybe averaging in over the next, you know, year or two into some emerging markets exposure, mm-hmm. um, potentially. Um, but to your point, Jarrett, in owning that Vanguard 500 fund, it's completely passive. Mm-hmm. And if we look at, Basically, the way the S&P is structured, growth has been massively outperforming mm-hmm. value. Yep. In fact, we have another couple of questions that sort of asking <laughs> that. So w- let's get into it, though. At, an opportunity there would be if you want to stay at Vanguard, mm-hmm. start to shift some of that um, S&P 500 fund into some equity income positions, maybe yes. even small and mid-cap funds. Um, mm-hmm there, which have more attractive valuations. Well, that'd be a good idea even with the GNMA, right? Because that to us, if, if you want to be conservative, conservative to us doesn't mean you go by fixed income necessarily. Again, you want to do that for coverage over your liquidity needs. But for, for clients that may not have that and they want to be conservative, at, at y'all's direction, Jacob, in, in research, I'm normally looking to buy things, you know, like the General Mills and the Southern Companies and, and AT&T or Walmart's, Procter & Gamble. These things that, you know, they're almost like a bond. In fact, we saw a huge uptick in, in growth even over the past couple of years because of the interest rate environment where fixed income or traditional fixed income investors were moving to those types of investments because, 
it, it acts a lot like a bond. They're very stable. They pay a very nice dividend, and they're not going to suffer abnormally during downturns because, mm-hmm. you know, the products and, and the business that they're in. And so that, to me, if, if you don't have the liquidity needs and you want to be conservative, I'm not sure I would be looking in the fixed income direction at all right now. I would be looking more so uh, in, like I said, the Procter & Gamble's, the Walmart's, the General Mills, the yeah. Yeah, and I think income, like you said. I think I think right now is the time for active management to shine. Definitely. We've seen mm-hmm. a huge uptick in volatility. We're sort of on a razor's edge economically. Are we in a recovery? Could we see, mm-hmm. you know, a double dip recession? Yeah. A lot of moving parts here and what we've seen basically of late is US large cap growth has destroyed everything. Yeah. So if you own the S&P 500 and you just wrote it you've done pretty well. Mm-hmm. But growth has massively outperformed value. U.S. securities have massively outperformed international securities. And now's the time to start repositioning your portfolio mm-hmm. away from those. And also, just passive as a whole is out- outperformed active for mm-hmm. a decade now because it has been the momentum names that continue to uh, gain steam and mm-hmm. see these multiples expand going from you know, a 15 PE to a 35 PE Mm -hmm. on nothing necessarily fundamental. It's a great time to start capturing those gains and getting more active, focusing Mm -hmm. more on quality uh, stocks that are going to be able to survive what's going on right now. Now you're probably way overexposed to things that maybe you wouldn't want to be if you had a, a portfolio full of stocks, for instance. I mean, you can't do any rebalancing within the ETF. So if you wanted a 15% exposure to, to IT, but because that's a sector that's done so well, maybe within that ETF, I don't know what the Vanguard 500 is exactly, but let's say it's now 30% because of the run that that's been on. Well, in our active management process, we can reduce the exposure to that sector if we wanted to. But within those passive securities, like you're saying, Jacob, you can't do the rebalancing. No one is actually managing that. And so you end up being overexposed to sectors like IT, for instance, that, you know, for all we know, could suffer worse in the short term. And then those losses are going to be more painful because you were overexposed. And so I agree with you completely. While, while that strategy's worked well up until this point, it's probably a good time to move away from some of that if, if you can, uh, assuming there's not massive tax implications in doing so or something, uh, and, and get into what is going to allow you to, to extract more quality that maybe isn't going to get us hurt uh, if we do enter into a tougher time or just a different time. Maybe. Yeah, it's it's like going to the grocery store and buying the same basket of groceries every time, no matter what the price is. Yeah, you wouldn't yeah. do that. You'd look for sales. Exactly. And and yeah. we we did have another sort of related question. We continue to kind of harp on this point, but we've had Amber ask, "Why shouldn't I just buy Apple and Amazon?" We also had Andrew from Sandy Springs ask, uh, "It looks like the recovery has just been five stocks: Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Alphabet, and Facebook." basically the fangs. Well, yeah, if you look at the year-to-date returns for the market, they explain the entire thing. The reality is, like I was talking about before, if you look at the multiples, you've seen some of these stocks double in what they're trading relative to the earnings. The earnings haven't grown to justify the current price. You're also seeing levels of the top 5% of stocks Mm -hmm. are more of the S&P 500 than even in the tech bubble. Yeah. And if you look what happened in, in the tech bubble, it got very concentrated at the top mm-hmm. as far as large cap growth, mostly tech-oriented names. You had sure. Microsoft, GE, Intel, Cisco, and Lucent. When the tech bubble popped, those mm-hmm. stocks returned negative 55% to 
negative 53%, negative 62%, negative 75%, and negative 90% respectively. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about growth versus value, we got a lot of those similar conditions mm-hmm. back in 2000. There in is. fact, growth has outperformed relative to value by more than in the tech bubble. Mm-hmm. Granted, it's more high-quality names. Apple's not the same as pets.com, right. but the valuation disparity is huge. Mm-hmm. And one of the unique things that we, as we're looking back at that, so we look at back, we had this huge divide between p- performance of growth and value. Mm-hmm. Well, what actually happened is most of the return for that next decade was explained by dividends. So if you had repositioned your portfolio, the market only returned, you know, four or five percent mm-hmm. from 2000 to 2010, right? Mm-hmm. But it was all dividends. That was completely your return. I was blown away when you showed me that a while back. That from 20, 2000 to 2009 or 10, your complete return was just dividends. Yeah. So people's what? memories are short. We're and not, that's why they're asking about right. these stocks right now because they're the hot stocks and that's what they want to be in. But they don't need to, to be overexposed. True. Yeah, point. exactly. Yeah, we can't harp on that enough. Reposition your Hire a manager. Reposition your portfolio towards value. Uh, there's a lot of attractive. The whole market's not overvalued. Just some of the names. Mm-hmm. Well, that's gonna that's gonna wrap it up for today, guys. Market up or down this next week? It's going up from here, I think. I hope I hope it's up. Up. Oh, keep <laughs> going up. That's right. All right, that's been Money Talks. Thanks. All material presented is from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decision and is not intended to replace the advice of qualified professionals, such as tax consultants, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in the Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.